This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in Utopia Football Podcast. Great to be with you. It is our midweek edition, and the midweek always means the mailbag. Utopia mailbag. Uh, the we'll call this the week five edition, as the Texans have just put week four in the books. Oh three and one on the season, the only winless team in the NFL. But we're going to keep cranking out these podcasts because we know that there's an audience that is passionate. We are all in this together. There's a draft coming up next year where the Texans are in good shape to be picking. Not just very high, but the highest you possibly can right now. But there are games to be played. Jacksonville this weekend. We'll get into all that. But your mailbag questions are the focus today. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. If you don't get a mailbag question read today, that's how you get in on this. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast in the mornings on Sports Radio 610. Of course, as always, joined by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. He is our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com. And, of course, you can find him at GalleriesSports.com as well. John McLean. John, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'll tell you what, Sean, I'm doing great. And uh, I'm amazed at the way the Texans keep falling apart in the fourth quarter when they have to, time to win the games. I didn't pick them to win, beat the Chargers. I thought they would lose, but still to come within three and be in position to stun the NFL with an upset and then to lose again. At some point, do they win a close game and it give them confidence in the next time they face that situation? Or does next time they lose by a little more and then a little more, and then they continue on the path to having the first overall pick in the draft? Yeah, and you and I are going to dig deeper into the game coming up this weekend with the Jacksonville Jaguars in tomorrow's preview episode that we always do our third podcast. We do three a week. If you're new to the podcast, we do three a week. Mondays is typically a reaction to the game from – the previous day, um, this one, the mid midweek one, the second one each week is the mailbag, which we're going to get into here momentarily. And then the third one, we are previewing the upcoming game this weekend. And the, I guess the only good thing we can say about the upcoming game this weekend, John, it is against the team that they play twice a year and has not beaten them since 2017. In those games, on my observations that, that are on sportsradio610.com, I figured up how bad the Texans are beating them during that eight-game winning streak. And especially in the last four, Bill O'Brien won four of those. Romeo Cornell won two as interim coach. David Culley won two last year. They've had different quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills last year. They had, when Bill O'Brien was here, they had uh, Deshaun Watson. Romeo Cornell had Deshaun Watson. And it's amazing how far the Jaguars 
have fallen since they scared the bejabbers out of the Patriots at Foxborough in that AFC championship game before losing. And then they had all this talent they'd stockpiled. They all wanted out and because they didn't get paid what they wanted or they left in free agency. It's amazing what happened to that roster. And right now, Jaguars are two and two, and they're better, but I, I'm eager to see how's it going to affect them this time. Are they going to continue to do well, win the division, and lose the players again? Yep, we'll see. John, a couple of little factoids on the Jags, and then we'll get to the mailbag here. Um, and actually, one other item I want to get to before we get to the mailbag, a little bit of Texans news today. Um, but uh, you're right. Most of those Jaguars games, blowouts by the Texans. Probably the one that was the closest was the stopped two-point conversion in week two at NRG Stadium back in 2019. That was the week after the Texans almost beat the Saints on Monday Night Football. They came back that following game, and they needed a Justin Reed tackle on the goal line to stop a two-point conversion to win that game. That was number one. Um, my second observation, which is kind of just interesting, if Lovey's able to get the win on Sunday, you mentioned Romeo Cornell and David Culley. Romeo Cornell, his first win as a Texans head coach, Jacksonville Jaguars. David Culley, his first win as Texans head coach, Jacksonville Jaguars. Lovey Smith going for his first win as Texans head coach on Sunday. That's a trend we'd like to – it's a trend we'd like to see go because we root for the Texans to win. However, we are in this mode now that – the consolation prize is significant for this team when they don't win football games. That would be a hat trick. <laughs> yes, it would. It would be a hat trick for sure. Um, one other thing, John, before we get to the mailbag questions, Pharaoh Brown let go by the Texans this morning. You and I are recording this on Tuesday to drop on Wednesday afternoon. Um, I guess just any reaction to Pharaoh Brown getting let go? I guess they got tired of them being hurt. And plus, Jordan Akins, who was re-signed to the practice squad, elevated, has done well the last two games. Has scored a touchdown this past game. He had a 30-yard game, set up a touchdown. He is he has been really good without the ball. And O.J. Howard, who I wrote in my observations about O.J. Howard, Nico Collins, and uh, Troy Harrison, the fullback, blocked their butts off in that game. Mm -hmm. And coaches love to see that. So – and, and Brevin Jordan will be back at some point. They still have Anthony Alclair. He's on IR, but I can't remember if it was a, if he was part of the 53 or not. But they don't utilize tight ends much anyway. But uh, Farrell Brown will catch on with another team. So they may have done him a favor. This is a uh, – tight end is a sneaky position for this team when the season is over, John, because I don't think any of these guys are long-term solutions. Look, O.J. Howard's on his third team in the league. Uh, Jordan Akins left, got let go by the Giants so he could come back here to the Texans. Brevin Jordan really has not blossomed yet as a fifth-round pick. I think I think maybe obviously not with the first overall pick or whatever the first pick is. They're going to be targeting a quarterback in all likelihood. The reason I bring it up, John, though, is that there is a Notre Dame fighting Irishman who is going to be in that sort of sweet spot where that Cleveland Browns pick is probably going to be, you know, somewhere between like 10 and – 18 somewhere in there Michael Mayer he goes by baby Gronk he's number 87 he's an all-american tight end John so like much like Kyle Hamilton last year where I was standing on the table for a domer I will be standing on the table once again at a position of need for the Texans Michael Mayer remember the name John I don't want to crush your hopes but there's no way I don't think that they're going to take two offensive players in the first round 
if they're able to keep that second number one and not have to part with it to get a quarterback they want, I think their bigger need is a pass rusher. They they had an embarrassing pass rushing performance against Justin Herbert, one sack in which he slid and went down on purpose. And they have got to get a premier pass rusher, whether it's an end or inside. And then tight end is definitely a need for them. I could see them signing a veteran tight end. But right now, I think they need a center. I think they need a tight end. And a quarterback, of course, looks like they may need another receiver, although having John Matchy will be like an extra second-round pick. But I think they need a, they still need a Kyle Hamilton type at safety. And – they need linebackers. Other than that, they're okay. Yeah, John, I was going to say, they need everything. So why would tight end, if the best tight end in the country is there at 15, if they need everything, why wouldn't you take him right there? They need everything, John. They need a pass rusher, second worst to a quarterback. Yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, well, let's get started there. You mentioned center. We'll go in on your mailbag questions. Now, and again, mailbag at gmail.com is the address. That's the email address. We love it when you guys send us questions. Jameer in the Woodlands, have we seen the last of Justin Britt? And one more thing. Gronk, Kelsey, and Kittles, none were drafted in the first round. No, you're right. You're right. That's uh, that, if, Mayor that's... Went to, if Mayor went to Baylor, you wouldn't be saying that. Uh, John, you know I love John. I'd you know how much of my money that. Baylor has? <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> Baylor a lot. has more of my money than Notre Dame does. I can promise you that. All right. uh, uh, about Justin Brett. No, I don't think he'll ever play again. Plus, Quisenberry's played better than he was playing anyway. Quisenberry, to me, has been a surprise. Yeah. I watch, I go back and watch every play multiple times, and he is, he is, he is more than competent. But I still think if they get their hands on a really good center like – Baltimore did this year with Tyler Lindebaum. They they should try to do it. Yeah, I haven't looked at the center crop to know. Lindebaum was a was a kid who was getting a lot of buzz throughout last year. Like he was a guy that um, you know, honestly, him falling to twenty five, like it probably went. He probably got drafted later than a lot of people thought he would. He was thought to be a pretty transcendent as centers go, a transcendent center. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we will see any more of Justin Britt. Um, Jimmy in Memorial says, I know you guys are excited about the draft, but if you draft a quarterback, do you allow him to play behind this offensive line the next year? I guess, John, that's one way of just asking, like, what have you thought about the offensive line so far? And what do we think the offensive line looks like next year? Is, a lot of, is it going to be a lot of the same faces next year on this offensive line? Laramie Johnson's playing very well. Kenyon Green is playing well as a run blocker. He was awful against the Chargers. He got pushed back into Davis Mills. Quisenberry's playing better than I thought he would. A.J. Cann's inconsistent. 
Titus Howard's playing for a new contract. He's been okay. Uh, George Warhops, the new offensive line coach, I think they'll get better. They've been very fortunate for injuries. Last year, remember, they had start 12 offensive linemen because of injuries, ineptness, and COVID-19. And so uh, I think they're better and they're going to keep getting better. Can you, you know, one of the things when I'm looking at Davis Mills and I was talking to Landry Locker and John Lopez about that, and they said that Mills was awful till this last game. I said, no, these are statistically. I said, well, I look at things like when he throws an overthrow, is a guy been pushed backward into his face? which happened twice in this game on incompletions. Yeah. I look at that to see what kind of pressure he's under. Are the sacks, how many of them are his fault? Like in the game Sunday, I think two of them were his fault. I don't just look at the stats because it's, it's unfair too. like on interceptions. He had two. The second one, he had to throw it up for grabs at the end of the game. Of course, it still counts. But I think their offensive line, while they, they need an upgrade at center, and since A.J. Cann came from Jacksonville and so did George Warhop, I don't think he's going anywhere. And the key is, will they resign Titus Howard? And uh, But I don't see him continuing to change the offensive line. No, and to be clear, Titus still has one year left. His fifth-year option is next year. So he's he and Laramie both are still are, are under contract for next year. Um, if the, and you would think if he plays well, they'll extend him. Yep. But uh, I th- we're a long way from that. Yeah, I don't think he's played extendable football so far yet this year. He's been very up and down. Well, it depends on what the price is, I suppose. But he has not played. He has not played what a first round pick would be expecting in a second contract coming into the league. You know, first round pick probably thinks, "All right, I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna be a real, you know, solid to good, maybe even great player, and I'm gonna get paid." I think Titus still has a lot, a lot to prove, and some of that's not his fault. He's gotten shuffled around. Their usage of Titus Howard since he came into the league, granted. He's had about nine different head coaches and 15 different general managers since he came into the league in 2019, but that has not helped him um, at all. Um, Brian in Austin says, how much does Rex Burkhead being targeted have to do with the receiver's inability to get open? How much have you watched of that, John, like the downfield stuff to see what exactly is going on when Davis is just seemingly just going straight to Rex Burkhead on some of these reads? Well, he's looking downfield really quick. Pep Hamilton said after the second game, he wanted him to not be afraid to take checkdowns. The problem with check checkdowns, and this is something I also wrote about on SportsRadio610.com, was Pierce averaged 11 yards a catch at Florida last year. Here, he runs out on the side and waits to see if they need him. They throw in the ball while he's standing still, and there's always somebody on him. So he'll have catches for minus yards or one yard. And my deal is have him flaring out of the backfield, lead him perfectly, let him have a full head of steam almost when he catches the ball, and then let him beat one guy. But as it is, these checkdowns don't get him much. Now, Burkhead, he played as well as he could play as a receiver against the Chargers. He had the touchdown. He also had two First down catches, 113 yards, 18 yards, in which he did a good job. So he deserves praise for that. But they're not looking for him as the first receiver. Now, on the dumbest, well, the second dumbest play, the dumbest play was having Pierce take the handoff on the last play when they were running out the clock instead of Burkhead because yeah. he could have gotten hurt. But on the, the fourth down play in the second quarter in which Mills rolled to his right, 
Mason Streck, the tight end who was playing because of injuries, he took off up the field to go on a pass route. And I'm thinking, what made him think he might be a receiver? He was supposed to block Mack. He didn't sack. They looked stupid. But Burkhead was covered. They were trying to throw to him. Yeah. He was uh, flaring out of the backfield, trying, like I said, throw the ball to him when he's got a full head of speed, and a guy was all over it. Yeah. It was a bad call, an ill-conceived play, and uh, that was not Mills's fault where he got sacked. So I think uh, I, I, there's just so many things to look at with this offense, why things happen. And you can't do it in real time. You got to do it like it's boring as heck. I spent two nights going over plays over and over and over until my eyeballs are about to pop out. And so that's how you have to judge people. Some Nico Collins was open twice. He overthrew him once when somebody was pushed back into his face. Another one, he just made a bad a bad play, but they'd love to throw the ball down the field. Too much he's thrown to Cooks when he's covered, but on that touchdown pay, play, he was covered, oh. and he made a perfect throw. Yeah, no, back-to-back throws. The Nico 58-yard deep ball, and then the very next play was the Cooks touchdown. Those are two of the best throws I've seen Davis Mills make since he came into the league. Back-to-back right there. Need more of that if you're Davis Mills. Um, how many more of them you need to not have a quarterback drafted, I guess, will ultimately be the question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John, our guy Chris in Atlanta weighs in with a couple of questions here. I like these. Would you rather have the Astros win another World Series this season or have the Texans find their surefire, legit franchise quarterback by next season? I want to see the Astros win a World Series that people can't claim is tainted. Mm, Okay, that's a good reason. Yeah, normally I would say, no brainer, I want a world championship and then I'll leave it up to the gods as to what happens with everything else, even across sports like that. But boy, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this watching the Kansas City Tampa Bay game and just watching Mahomes. And I get it. I'm about to talk about a quarterback who is at the tippy top of the mountain of quarterbacks right now in the NFL. But what a joy it must be, John, as a Kansas City fan to know, unless Mahomes retires early or loses a limb, you, you are going to be playing relevant football for the next dozen years. I mean, what a what a luxury that is. I mean, all, virtually guaranteed. Look, we the Texans had a franchise quarterback in 2020, and they stunk. I trust that Kansas City is not going to execute the Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby plan at any point as far as roster building goes. Um, I might take the franchise quarterback for that reason. That you, If you find that guy, there's a chance that you're not going to be having to live through these long seasons we've had to live through the last couple of years. Uh, for the duration of that, I'm not going to say you're going to be in the Super Bowl mix every year, but chances are you're at least in the playoff conversation every year, and all 17 games on your schedule matter. Well, the thing about Kansas City, they have a great coach and Andy Reid. They've yep. got good personnel, people, talent, and philosophy. What about the Packers fans? They get to watch Favre and Rodgers right. for multiple decades. Like the Colts had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck till he retired. Yeah, the you're Patriots making my argument. Brady. All those years, man, it's frustrating. You want to change your answer? No. 
Okay. Yeah. Your point about the World Series, though, is a good one. A non-tainted World Series would really shut a lot of people up. That would be good. Chris's bonus question, what's your favorite road trip snack? You mean at the stadium or in no road trip? Stadium. Like when you go on a road trip, you're, you're you're driving up to Waco with your buddies to go see a Baylor game. What do you like? You stop at Bucky's. What's the first thing? What What are the first two or three things you go buy at Bucky's when you're driving up to Waco? Well, first of all, if I stop at Bucky's, it's to go to the bathroom. I don't I don't care anything about eating on them. But if I had to pick something, it reminded me when Bucky says a thing. That reminds me of when I was a kid making trips from Waco to Dallas to watch ball games, especially the, the we used to go to uh, Dallas Fort Worth Ranger minor league games. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go to concerts up there. Sometimes movies premiered there. So we would stop at Stucky's and I'd get a big old pecan log with divinity in it. And I've gotten a couple of those at, at Bucky's, and I don't enjoy them as much because I'm eating them and I'm going, my God, I was like, every bite, I'm just getting fatter and fatter. <laughs> so I can't enjoy it as much as I did when I weighed 150. Yeah, no, I understand that. Now, Chris, I'll, I'll give you my answer on that. And I'm using Bucky's as a template because that's the ultimate road trip stop. So you stop at a Bucky's. If you're going to Waco, you stop at the one in Waller. If you're going to Lake Charles, you stop at the one in Baytown. Um, you know, whatever direction you go, you're heading to San Antonio, you stop at the one in Luling. Like I, you're going to Dallas, you stop in Madisonville. So that's the Bucky's. I don't know if you know this, but I've stopped at Bucky's once or twice in my life. So that, those are where you, those are the places you stop. But John, my go-to, if I were putting like a Mount Rushmore of Bucky snacks together, I would say for sure, just to wash away some of the guilt, I would have one of those cups with celery and carrot sticks in it that comes with like a little container of Jif peanut butter. You know, so you got you got a little peanut butter flavor to go with your veggies. So that washes away the guilt. Um, I would definitely get a bag of Cheez-It Snaps. These are not Cheez-It crackers. These are snaps. So they're like lighter sort of Cheez-It chips that are amazing. They're addictive. They're crack. So I would buy a bag of those. I would get one of those. I can't, boy, every time I leave Bucky's, they have that tray next to the cash register of those Rice Krispie treats with Fruity Pebbles mixed in. Oh, those are great. They're delicious. And I always have to buy at least one or two of those. I mean, I could build a pyramid with the number of those that I bought at Bucky's through the year. So those are sort of my go-to. And then I'll probably get like a bottle of Topo Chico, zero calorie on the drink. So I got the celery and the carrots and the Topo Chico to go, hey, look at me with all this low calorie greenery and, and, and drinks and things like that. And right after I do that, I hork down a bag of chips and a gigantic brick of Rice Krispie, Marshmallow, and Fruity Pebbles. Do you eat their homemade chips, at the potato chips that they make there? Do they do? Are they like kettle chips? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I have. I love kettle chips. Well, there's really good. And I'll tell you what else I like. There's pulled pork sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're breakfast tacos too, John. Yes. Very good. Too. All right, Chris. Thanks a lot for making us hungry. Appreciate yeah, no that. kidding, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> John's about to get on a weight loss kick, and he's 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 feeding you Rice Krispies. And actually, I was the one who was bringing those. I up, need to go get all this. I need to go to Bucky's right now. Get it in, John. Get it in. All right, let's keep uh, let's keep it moving here. We appreciate the questions, Chris. All of you, we appreciate the questions. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. Matthew Kasicki, a regular listener to the podcast says, after seeing what appears to be a steep regression by Davis Mills from last year, it's time to be concerned that Pep Hamilton isn't as effective coordinating a passing attack as Tim Kelly. 
This, I believe, begs the question, oh boy, do you think there's cause for concern for the Browns that Deshaun Watson was a system QB that might struggle outside of Tim Kelly's QB-friendly ecosystem? Well, first of all, it's too early to make judgments on Pep Hamilton, Yeah, but I do have questions about his play calling and his coaching. He did a good job working with Mills last year, and now it's not working the way it did at the end of last season. And maybe Tim Kelly's play calling had something to do with it. If Deshaun Watson is not the same quarterback, it won't be because he's not with Kelly. It'll be because every game he plays in December after he leaves Houston will be played outdoors in December and January. And when he's playing at home, he's going to be right there on the banks of Lake Erie with the wind blowing like crazy. So if you see his yards per attempt and his completion percentage and his rating is a lot worse than it was. It's going to be because of that. Yeah. John, I, I, I'm, this goes into a deeper, more layered conversation about that Brown's first round pick this year um, that I'm sure we'll harp on uh, throughout the season, especially as the Cleveland game with the Texans comes up later this year. And certainly as we get to the draft uh, this, this winter and spring, um, but four weeks in, you know, everybody looked at the Browns schedule and looked at the first four games. And I know I did. And when the rumor was that Deshaun might only get four games, I'm like, they might still go four and oh, with Jacoby Brissett. Those are not hard games that they have. It was Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers and the uh, Falcons. And they could have won all four games. The Jets game, they should have won. They, they, it was an historic choke job. Um, and then they played a close game with Atlanta this past week. They could have gone four and oh, they went two and two. I don't know if you've looked at the remaining seven games for which Deshaun is going to be suspended, but I did a deep dive on it today on the show. Six of those seven games, they're going to be underdogs in the Browns. You know, they play, there's only one game I think they're going to be favored in, and it's two weeks from now. They play the Patriots at home. And I'll keep a point out the Patriots with Bailey Zappi as their quarterback just took the Packers to overtime this past weekend, and it's Belichick. So they're not going to be a pushover. But I do think the Browns will be favored just based on their talent, and it probably won't be Mac Jones starting for the Patriots. It'll either be, I would guess, Hoyer or Bailey Zappi. But the other games they play, this is just off the top of my head, they play the Chargers, they play the Ravens in Baltimore, they play the Bengals on a Monday night, they play uh, Buffalo, they play Tampa Bay, um, Miami, who's been good so far this year. So they play a bunch of hard games before Deshaun comes back. By the time Deshaun comes back, that team might be three and eight, the, the Browns. Wouldn't it be – we've talked about this before, Sean, but the fact that if Mills played well enough to convince everybody he's the guy, they could use those top two picks on oh. players and then having a high second-round pick and Mitch, he'd be like two having two second-round picks – and, man, if they have to use one on a quarterback, of course, that's great. If you think you're going to get a franchise quarterback up high in the first round, you can't beat it. You can fill in around them. But, man, it would have worked out so well if Mills had proved he could be the guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's still time, but it certainly doesn't look like it's it's not trending in that direction even close right now. Um, all right, let's uh, get to the next one here. Dave Kemper says, since John is a huge hockey fan, I need his take on if Houston will ever get that elusive NHL franchise. You think Houston ever has an NHL team, John? First of all, Dave, I used to cover the original Houston Arrows for two years, and they outdrew the Rockets. And they sold out the old Sam Houston Coliseum. And then when I get here, got here in the Summit, which is now Lakewood Church, opened at 76, they sold it out. 
and they were exciting and they were good and people love hockey here. It drives me crazy that Dallas has a hockey team and we don't, that Arizona has a hockey team and we don't. Cities that have four teams, Denver, and we don't. We're bigger than all those cities combined. There is no doubt in my mind, if we had a team and a one, because we're a city of front runners. Just look at the Texans' attendance. They sell 69,000 tickets, and about half that shows up for a game. But if we had a team here that won, there's no doubt in my mind, with five or six million people in the greater Houston area, that they could support a franchise. And Tillman Fertitta would be the one to do it. He has his building, but everybody now doesn't want buildings that are shared. They want buildings that are separate. So we'd have to build a new arena to get a hockey team. And I don't see that happening, at least while I'm on this side of the grass. Yeah, I don't think so. Not anytime soon. Not not anytime soon, David, is my, uh, is my take on that as well. All right. Um, Dave Howard emails in, John. On some of these plays, Mills is immediately out of the pocket by design. On others, he's delivering the ball immediately talking about last season this is about last season talking last season he was moving around a little bit more he was delivering the ball quickly now this year he almost never leaves the pocket and he takes forever to find his receivers this makes me think his failures are as much on pep hamilton's scheme as anything else boy this is our second question that has been backing up tim kelly this the the question is where's tim kelly these days (laughs) john the tim kelly love coming out of the woodwork from the mailbag this week Tim's 2-2, and he's with the Titans. And remember, Sean Watson loved working with Tim Kelly. He wanted Tim Kelly back. They brought him back, and then Deshaun wanted to be gone. And uh, I always thought Tim was a good coach. People didn't like him. He didn't have a running game. That wasn't his fault. I'm sure he'd be using Damian Pierce even more than they do now. But I think based on what we've seen, that the failures of the offense can be shared with Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills. All right, John. um, Last question that we'll get to here. And then if there's anything that you didn't get asked about that you want to throw in here at the end, obviously feel free. This is from James in Chicago, John. Uh, He has a tweet here that shows the advanced stats. And it says that Stingley, Derek Stingley Jr. has allowed 290 yards receiving this year on all the targets that he's been, the the plays he's been targeted on. That's the second most among rookie cornerbacks and the fourth most among all cornerbacks. Does this match the eye test? Uh, Most of those came against Cortland Sutton, who had, what, 100? I can't remember, seven. Like over 120, yeah. Yeah, and uh, in the game with Mike Williams, he was covering him. So he's covering the main guy, so that's to be expected. They're not just keeping him on the side and let him go against the number two receiver. He's taking on the top guys, a rookie. Everybody is happy with Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah, I always wonder too, John, on these stats like this, like some of these plays where it's clearly just a soft spot in his own defense that that a quarterback is, you know, Justin Herbert did it (laughs) any number of times to the Texans (laughs) this weekend. I always wonder with these advanced stats, like how that gets doled out. You know, like how who who gets – who gets pinged for those stats? Like if Stingley's got a zone and he's, you know, there's a safety who's got a deep zone and the receiver is just settling down in a soft spot in the zone right there. Um, like I, is that all Stingley? Does that make me feel worse about Stingley? I will say this, the, the plays where Stingley has been covering receivers one-on-one downfield um, so far this season or in the red zone, like against Cortland Sutton, um, he's made some plays where I go, yeah, yeah, I totally see. Why you drafted that kid? I mean, there, there was a play on a third down in the Charger game where Herbert 
went deep to Mike Williams and Stingley was right in his pocket, stride for stride down the field. One thing I learned a long time ago, and I learned this from Bruce Matthews and Mike Munchak, they told me no matter what you see when it comes to the offensive line and a guy getting beat, sometimes that's not his responsibility. He's trying to make up for somebody else who got beat. And if you say he got beat for sack, you can be wrong. Cause I said, Bruce Matthews got beat twice by sack and neither time was it his guy. And it's just like on a defense a corner. A lot of times you see a corner let up. Well, did he make a mental error or was a safety supposed to have him? And the safety made a mental error. One of the things with pro football focus, next generation stats, and all those things, they have no idea a lot of the time whose responsibility is what. And they do a great job, but you can't take them like they're the be-all, end-all, because they don't know. I'd love to start a site in which everybody doing the grading was a former coach or a scout or a personnel guy where you knew that guy was an educated football guy making those determinations. Yeah, it's not that right now, Pro Football Focus. I like a lot of the things Pro Football Focus does, but the guys grading their games, are they're not bad. I know that. They're fans. They're serious football fans. Yeah. Still provide a good service, and I will say that a lot of their scores and things like that on the margins, like the really, really good and the really, really bad, usually do back up what you see. But those stats right there, I, I if if the question from James is, um, is you know, do, are we discouraged with Derek Stingley Jr. at all? The answer for me is absolutely not right now. No, absolutely not. And I tell you something: the last two years, next generation stats had the Texans' offensive line ranked much higher than I thought they would because I had seen every game and I know what I see and I did not think they were any good. But if you just read next gen stats and you thought, well, boy, holding their block this amount of time or keeping it, getting to the quarterback this amount of time, they were not nearly as bad as we thought. The fact is there was no results. Yep, exactly. All right, John, that's it. You got any final thoughts before we, uh, kind of pack things in and then you and I'll do this again tomorrow, same time, same place to get this preview on uh, Jacksonville done. I think we covered just about everything we could. Thank you everybody for listening. Please spread the word about the utopia podcast. We'd like to get as many people checking us out as possible. And we thank everyone for participating. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody who's downloading it. We appreciate Figgy Fig for producing and getting it out there to all of you. Figgy's the best. Um, and again, mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to get your question read on the podcast next week, if it's a good one, it gets read on the air. We appreciate everybody who participated this week in the mailbag. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the Jacksonville game. We'll do a little six uh, pregame six-pack to get you guys ready, six storylines for the game to watch for, and also we'll play a little for real or for gazy tomorrow. So be ready for that as well. Until then, I'm Sean Pendergast. He's the Hall of Famer, John McClain, and we are out of time. We will see you tomorrow for the Utopia Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.